Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. It's so glad that you're joining us. We're in a series called How to Get Through What You're Going Through. Uh, last week, we talked about the struggle. Today's topic is surrender. And I want to start with this. Doesn't it just seem like sometimes you and I just want something or someone to hold on to? And uh, I got to thinking, I'm a little older than some of you folks, but uh, one of my favorite <laughs> cartoons uh, when I was young was Peanuts. And if you know Peanuts, there's a character on that cartoon called Linus, and he didn't go anywhere without his blanket. And uh, we even have a term in our society now called a security blanket, right? Um, we were talking, my wife and I, about this. Uh, our oldest son, Josh, had one of these. He called it his Bobby. And he had it for years. In fact, he went through two of them. He wore one out. Um, so sometimes we just want something or someone to hold on to. Um, when you're little and you're trying to cross a dangerous street, you probably want to hold on to your parents' hand. Um, my wife, she's a brave person. She's not afraid of much, but she's afraid, scared to death of mice. <laughs> she doesn't hold on my hand. She runs when she sees a mouse. But sometimes if we're hiking or crossing a stream or something, I'll grab her hand and help so that she doesn't, you know, slip and fall and so forth. Sometimes we just want someone or something to hold on to, especially in scary times. Um, and I thought about it as a child when we skin our knee. Where do we do? What do we do? We run and then <laughs> we want to hold on to our normally our our moms when that happens. <clears throat> so we're in this series, and uh, we want to review a little bit about uh, what we talked about last week. And if you want to go back and watch that, you can. Um, how do we get through what we're going through? is what really matters. We're all going through stuff um, before the pan pandemic and since after the pandemic, there's still stuff we're going to go through. So everybody's going through stuff. The real key is how, what you're doing. Another way to say it is how do we respond to difficult circumstances determines our future. So if this is destroying us, then our future is destroyed. If we're growing stronger through the difficulties, uh, we have a uh, uh, more uh, uh, optimistic future, a better future. And we talked about three stages of faith, and if you're not a, a believer, we're so delighted you're watching. Um, and maybe you're checking us out, trying to see, or hopefully when you'll step across that line in the faith. But in the beginning stages of faith, we're calling it confident faith. It's, it is, it's kind of like a honeymoon. It's just everything's good. Uh, You've connected with God, your sins are forgiven, you've got eternity in heaven, and your prayer is seen, it just seems like God's just talking to you, and you're just talking to God, and you've got His full attention, and your prayers seem to be getting answered like that, and, and you're, when you find out something in God's Word that you need to do, you do it, and, and God seems to bless it and reward it, and that, that's good, and you just have this joy, uh, even in, in difficult circumstances, and that, that period or that phase can last a long time or, or not so very long. But eventually you get to stage two, or phase two, we call that challenged faith. That's when life isn't going so good. That's when it seems like your prayers aren't getting past the ceiling, and God's not listening, and if He's listening, He's not answering, or He's not answering the way we want Him to answer, and our obedience doesn't seem to be rewarded, people are not obeying God or being blessed, and I'm trying, and I'm not being blessed, 
and the questions start and the doubts start and and this is in the challenge faith stage and uh, um, hopefully you don't stay there uh, this is kind of a cycle we go through the challenge phase and hopefully it brings us to the third which is a living faith and this is where yeah, yeah God doesn't always answer prayers I want or when I want uh, life doesn't always go like I want but he's still my God he's still my savior he's still providing for me I'm still trusting him. Um, the interesting thing, the only way to get the living faith is to go through challenge faith. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, so we're in this series, uh, how to get through what you're going through. And we're looking at something from way back in history, way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible after Genesis, and this guy named Moses, most people know about Moses, and God uses this man Moses to Get the Israelites, his chosen people, out of slavery. We don't know how long. They've been in Egypt for 400 plus years. Probably generations at least of slavery. So that's, that's the group of people he's dealing with. God miraculously delivers them from Egypt. Um, he guides them with, with uh, fire at night, a cloud by day. Uh, they get to the Red Sea and... He opens the Red Sea and delivers them again from the Egyptian army. He doesn't take them by the shortest route to the promised land because there would have been a battle. And so he takes them a different route, but it takes them into the desert. My wife and I were there this time last year, and it is a desert. I can't imagine being out there in that time frame. And so they run out, of, they don't have food, they don't have water. God supplies the food, God supplies the water. So they've seen God do all this stuff. They've gone through the covenant faith stage. And so we're going to pick up the story. Actually, Moses goes up on the mountain. He gets the Ten Commandments. He comes down. And most people know the Ten Commandments. We're going to refer to one or two of them this morning. And then um, um, we're going to pick up the story after. Uh, actually, he's gone back up onto the mountain. All right? So uh, we're going to pick it up. It's called Exodus thirty-one eighteen, And then we'll jump to chapter 32. So when the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai... He gave him two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. We call it the Ten Commandments. Uh, written by the finger of God. God gave this to him. Now, that's what's going up on the mountain. What about the people, we would say, down in the valley? The, the Israelites. The people down there. And this is where the story gets complicated and interesting, actually. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down from the mountain... They gathered around Aaron. Now, Aaron's Moses' brother. He's kind of like in second in command. And so he's in command when Moses is gone. And Moses is gone like 40 days. Now, again, the, these people are in that initial stage of faith. And so their connection to God is really through Moses. And Moses isn't there, so they've kind of lost their connection with God. And, you know, what are they feeling? Uh-oh, has God abandoned us? It seems looks like maybe Moses is not coming back, and he represents God for us, our connection with God. And so, again, they've come out of generations in Egypt with idol worship. And so, they say, come on, make us, speaking to Aaron, make us some God who can lead us. Now, that's plural in the original language, but it often refers to God, a God. In this context, it makes more sense, a God. And so, we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses, which is true. 
He brought us here from the land of Egypt, and he's kind of like abandoned us. And so um, this is the scenario then. They feel abandoned. They don't know that their leader's gone. They don't know what's going to happen. Now, are these people just terribly evil? Because we're going to see this request uh, as evil. But let's watch what happens. So Aaron said to them, Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Now, so they were willing to donate. They were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to give. We just had an offering to connect with their God or what they thought was their God. And um, just like us, hopefully same, same as us. So Aaron gets the donations and what's he do with them? He saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar in front of the calf. So he was kind of losing the people. And so this was kind of getting them back or getting them back and hit their attention. And so he, he was excited about that. So he built an altar in front of the calf. All right. So now they built this, we would call an idol. But this is where the story gets fascinating. This is where it gets uh, maybe confusing. Uh, then he announced... Tomorrow we'll have a festival to this idol, to this foreign god. No, 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 no. <laughs> we built this, in this case, a calf to our god. And if we want to be kind to these folks, they're in an immature state or a new state of faith. They're wanting something concrete to see. So maybe a polite way to say it or a positive way to say it is, this is their way of connecting or trying to connect with God because the festival is going to be to Yahweh. And so, the story goes on. It's exactly what happens the next day. People get up early. They're excited. I don't know how time you got up this morning. Now that church is at 11 o'clock, we don't have to get up very early. But they got up early. And what did they do? They sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. They, they were performing uh, religious activity that was taught to them to connect with Yahweh, their God. Again, this altar is in front of this calf to their God, or positive way of saying that they were, they were trying to connect with God through this, through this calf. So that's fine. Then they celebrated. It's good to celebrate. But then they went too far. In their feasting and drinking, and eventually they indulged in pagan revelry. They celebrated too much or wrong, wrong, wrongfully. So back to the mountain. <laughs> all right? Of course, God's seeing all this. And what's God say? The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt. Now, this is interesting <laughs> because God said they were his people. And God says to Moses, they're your people. And then Moses will talk back to God and say, no, God, they're your people. But anyway, interesting uh, twist of, of, of uh, dialogue. Um, he said, the people, <laughs> your people from Egypt have corrupted themselves. They, they've crossed the line. They've done something they shouldn't have done. Uh, text goes on. How quickly they've turned away I commanded, from the way I commanded them to live. Of course, they just got me. This was, this was new, but it, but, and it was quick. Uh, but they were, again, I was talking to a friend. This is, it seems to be their case that they were in this immature state. And they didn't really know a lot. Um, 
So they have melted down this gold and made a calf and they bow down and they sacrifice to it. Well, maybe, but maybe to you, God, or their understanding of you. But God saw it as inappropriate or wrong. And they are saying, these are the God or this is the God who brought us or you out of the land of Egypt. Let me paraphrase it this way. Aaron, he's kind of the representative of the group at this point, right? Aaron holds on to this golden calf while he's still proclaiming his faith in God. The calf's there, but they're worshiping the Lord. Now, before we get too too tough on these folks, um, let me just say this. They're not much different than us. In fact, when we get to the struggle stage and we have these issues we've got to overcome, like the pandemic and the effects of that right now, um, do we automatically just jump in and say, no, I don't believe in God anymore. He's out of here. Now, most of us don't do that, do we? But what do we find ourselves holding on to? It seems that we often need something more than that invisible God that we worship. <clears throat> so can you understand a little bit of our feelings? Did we, did we need something more? We need something else to hold on to. This God is invisible. Our leader, Moses, he's invisible. He's not here. We want something else to hold on to. So let me just say this to you, though. Um, it's always dangerous to add on to God. And what we usually add on to is what we fall back on, things that we've experienced in the past. They, they fell back on their, the idol worship in Egypt. That was their fallback. That was what they experienced. And that's what we do. We fall back. We fall back, maybe it is on some addiction that we had, drugs or alcohol. We fall back onto that and when times get tough. Uh, we fall back on some kind of entertainment, uh, binge watching. It's strange to me, I, I don't watch as much TV as I used to because there's no sports on. I just like watching sports. And uh, Actually, they're showing old sporting events, but I, I'm not watching those. But we can spend undue time just entertaining ourselves or vegging out or whatever term you want to use. Uh, for some of us, maybe not because of the difficulty of the situation, but we may be pouring ourselves into our work. Uh, I don't want to think about this. Uh, these are things that, that we are holding on. Now, the interesting thing to me is this. The things that we think we're holding on to, what eventually happens? They get a hold on us, don't they? So that addiction gets a hold of you and you can't get away from it. You can't turn the TV off. You can't turn away, off that uh, drive to keep, keep working. Another thing to keep in mind is this. I think these folks were really sincere. They were trying. But sincerity is no substitute for obedience or an excuse for disobedience. Ten Commandments. We mentioned that first. The second one is what? Don't have any graven image. Don't have any idol. Right. That's exactly what they did, didn't they? Now, we can question if they, you know, were worship, trying to worship some other god or worshiping Yahweh, but they had, they, they had broken the commandment. They had disobeyed. And it doesn't matter how sincere we are. It's no substitute or no excuse. Now, I asked this question last week, and I'm asking it again this week. What is challenging your faith right now? If you're, if you're not a believer... What is your biggest struggle right now? Write it down. We'll get back to it again here in a minute. Write it down. I mentioned to you, being a shepherd without sheep is, 
is the best way I can describe the struggles, the biggest struggle for me. <laughs> Pastoring without being able to see people. Um, it's just, it's unnatural. It's, it's bizarre to be like the shepherd without the sheep. So what is your challenge? What is challenging your, your faith? Well, it could be lots of different things. Uh, relationships. Relationships are big. Uh, issues with your uh, people being home more. Maybe it's an issue with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. Uh, maybe that's, that's your biggest struggle right now. Obviously, with uh, millions and millions of people out of work, it could be financially. Uh, it could be some addiction that you've started or maybe fallen back into. And of course, just we can say the pandemic is, is, our, is our biggest challenge. Um, we're doing the best job we can as a church. I uh, think things are going pretty well. Uh, God is blessing, but you know, the challenge is when can we get back to, and it'll never be the same as it was, but where we can meet face to face. Now, whatever you're going through, I don't know what it is. I know it's difficult. It's tough. And I'm sorry. If I could do something about it, I would. I know it hurts. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns. And um, so it made me, reminded me of some, a, a passage of Scripture that I read whenever I do a funeral service. I, I begin the service by reading this passage of Scripture. This is Paul writing later in the New Testament. And... Uh, People are grieving right now. Maybe someone, in fact, someone just died this past week connected with our congregation. Um, someone else asked me to pray for someone that, that, that's sick. So where do we get comfort in times like these? Well, listen to Paul's words here in First, Second Corinthians. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. Now, it's always important to remember that. God is merciful. And we're not going to read any more of the text in, in Exodus 32, but if you do, it describes God as being merciful. He's the source of all comfort. And if you're without comfort this morning, He's the source. That's where you and I need to turn. Now notice, He comforts us in all our troubles, whatever it might be, whatever you wrote down, whatever you're thinking about. But here's the interesting thing. It's not so just that you feel better. <laughs> Notice what it says. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. So, yeah, yeah, God's comforting me. Let me comfort you. I just was uh, <laughs> um, comforting my neighbor, uh, Mr. Wally, last night. Uh, how was I able to do that? Because God has comforted me. So that we can comfort others. And when they are troubled... So we kind of pass it on, right? We'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. The question is, will you let Him? He won't force Himself on you. Will you let Him? Now, I tried to find the source of this statement, and I couldn't find it. I've heard it from Rick Warren. Uh, God never wastes a hurt unless we let Him. Or we we, we let, let that happen. It's not God's intention to ever waste, a hurt. So, usually I give a challenge or something to think about. Today, I want to give you two challenges, two sides of one coin, maybe. What or who do I need to let go of? Go back to some of those examples. Uh, maybe it's um, a negative relationship. That we, you know, the old adage is better to have somebody 
than the nobody. Well, not, not necessarily. So maybe it's a relationship you need to let go of. Maybe it's a, an addiction. Uh, maybe it's financial. Maybe you're spending money you don't have. You need to, to let go. Or maybe you're depending on that money. That's what you're holding on to. Uh, maybe it's the government. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't suggest that being your fallback. Um, uh, I think they're trying to do a good job, but uh, yeah, very difficult. A lot of issues. Maybe it's, uh, we talked about this a few minutes ago, food. A lot of people seem to be, their fallback is food. <laughs> uh, I read something somebody sent to me. Guy goes up to his refrigerator and the refrigerator says, what do you want now? It's like, you keep coming back here. Um, Maybe it's uh, just the, the, what's the way I was saying it? The situation with the pandemic. And, 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 and I'm just holding on to hope <laughs> that things are going to get better. Now, I'm going to suggest a, 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 um, an activity for to you this morning. Here's what I'd like to do, wherever you are. Put your hands out like this. If my hands are like this, I'm not holding on to anything, am I? So I'm going to let go of whatever it is. Dave Ramsey talks about if you hold on to your money, <laughs> uh, you can't get anything. You, you don't lose what's in there, but you can't get anything else in there. So the things we don't want to be holding on to, let's open our hands. All right. And the second part of the challenge then is what? What or who do I need to hold on to? What do I need to put into my hands? Do I want to leave, leave my hands just... God doesn't desire for our hands to be empty-handed. So what, what do I put? And I'm going to suggest a couple things to you. The first one is this. You need to hold on to God's presence. You need to hold on to God's presence. Um, lots of ways to do that. Experience and Worship, whether you're at home or in a group. Uh, reading God's Word, you can experience God's presence. Uh, prayer, uh, there's lots of ways to experience God's presence. I, I experience God's presence when I run through the woods. Uh, but just acknowledgement of God and God's presence in your life. Um, my wife and I thank God when we sit down for a meal, uh, for the meal. But not just for the meal, but for His provision. And we thank Him for our relationship. And we, we acknowledge and experience His presence. Um, the passage of Scripture most people know, Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, and I'm just going to read part of one verse. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. So no matter what I'm going through, God's right there with me. I'm never alone. The interesting thing about the Psalms, Psalms are right in the middle of the Bible. If you open it up in the middle, that's the Psalm. Someone's estimated that one-third of the psalms is the psalmist, the writer, crying out to God. And we talked about doing that last week. One-third. One other way of saying that, and it seem, maybe seem a little irrelevant, uh, irreverent, excuse me, is God would rather you and I yell at Him than to walk away from Him. And let me try and illustrate a different way. We, my wife and I counsel couples, and sometimes we think... Uh, the opposite of love is hate. Well, the opposite of love isn't hate. If we get two couples and they're yelling and screaming at each other and they seem to hate each other, that's fine. 
The thing we can't work with is indifference. If one one of the people in the couple, you know, doesn't have enough emotional energy to even complain or to yell uh, about the other spouse, there's not much we can do, do for that couple. So God would rather you and I yell at him, cry out to him, sounds better, than to walk away from him. And the key is to do whatever it takes. So if you need to cry out to God, cry out to God. He can take it. He, he, he wants to hear it. Because that's saying, hey, God, I need you. Someone has said this uh, about faith. Mm. Uh, believers, Christians, Jesus followers. The harder we are hit, we're like nails. The harder we're hit, the deeper we go. And so if you're going through a deep time right now, God is driving that nail, driving you deep in your faith, into that living faith. So, I suggest one of the things you and I need to hold on to is God's presence. And the second one in this situation is a little difficult. I'm, I was with several of our church members yesterday, kind of one-on-one, uh, God's people. And hopefully it, your heart aches that you can't be here together with us, uh, our congregation anyway. That you, we can't be face-to-face. Um, we're not physically together, but from people I've been talking to and, and emails and texts that I've been getting, we are spiritually together. And that's what's really important. Now, let me just say this. We all need something or someone to hang on to. My suggestion to you, my encouragement to you, is make that the Lord God. Uh, most, some of our audience aren't going to know who Corrie Ten Boom was. Uh, she lived through a Nazi tr- concentration camp, and some of her family were killed. And um, she's written some books and so forth. Movies have been made about her life. Here's an illustration she shares, and I think it, it'll help us visualize this. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. I hope you don't. You sit still and trust the engineer. So, I want to pray with you all. I would ask that you just have your, your, your palms up and open. Both the surrendering, whatever it is that you're holding on to that is not God, and then open to receive God and what God has for you. So let's pray. Ah, Father God, these are some tough times, and for some people it has nothing to do with this pandemic, but it's certainly uh, uh, making worldwide life difficult. Uh, We don't know the future, but God, you do. (laughs) And so we're in that dark tunnel. We're not jumping off the train. We're sitting back and trusting you, the engineer, that you'll get us through. Uh, more than that, we are crying out to you. We are depending on you. Uh, these other things fail us. In fact, eventually turn around and get a hold on us that we don't want to have. And God, I, I know this is real. I don't know if folks struggles 
Uh, it may be something we call serious, like addiction, uh, drug and alcohol addiction, or maybe it's just watching too much TV. I don't know what it is. Uh, but God, it, it's hard. We, you know it's hard. You know how, what we're going through. You know what we're feeling. Uh, and it hurts. And we really can't see the end of the tunnel. We, we don't know when the light's going to come, come back. Uh, but that's okay. You're, you're there beside us in the deepest valley or the darkest tunnel. And some of our folks watching are, are not Jesus followers. We're thankful for them. And, and God, we just pray that they would understand what we talked about today. That you're a God that cares and you're a God that stands by us and you're a God that will get us through. Uh, and you're a God that brings us comfort. In fact, you're the only source of true comfort. But we have to let you. We have to invite you. And so I pray that, that you would invite God into your life this morning. Now, part of that is admitting you're a sinner and you've separated from God by your sin and, and confessing that to God. And, and God loves us. One of the songs was just about God's love has a hold on us. Uh, God's love draws us. Draws, God's love compels us. So we pray that you'd make that decision or at least begin seeking or seeking more seriously. And um, as we're praying, we would just ask that, that you let us help any way we can. And God, uh, we are claiming victory for the future. There will be a day, we don't know when, when we can be face-to-face -face with each other as church. There'll be a day when quote-unquote, life gets back to semi-normal. But what's really important is what we're holding on to. Before the pandemic, through the pandemic, and even especially maybe after pandemic. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I was studying to share this message with you today, um, a song kept coming to mind. And I'll give you a little bit of backstory about Seven or eight years ago, our daughter-in-law got sick, um, what turned out to be fatal uh, cancer. And um, probably, if not the one of the most difficult struggles our family and our church, because she was part of our church, has gone through. And so this song, it's titled I Am, uh, became kind of the, our, our theme song. And it's hard for me to, to listen to it without tears coming to my eyes. But it kind of answers that question about who you should be holding on to. But probably more important, who's holding on to you? He refers to himself, the song is titled, I Am. And Moses, when he meets God and God says, go, go to the Israelites, he said, well, who am I supposed to tell you? you? What God are you? And he says, tell him I am. And so I'm just going to read the first, the first uh, verse of the, uh, of the song. Um, and then we'll give you a link that you can go... Uh, Watch it for yourself. So let me read that to you. There's no space that love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Take me in with your arms spread wide, or we might say hands. Take me in like an orphan child. The analogy God uses. He adopts us into his family. Never let go, never leave my side. I am holding on to you. I am holding on to you. In the middle of the storm, 
I am holding on. I am. I am. Love like this. Oh my God, defined and overwhelming with joy divine. Love like this sets our hearts on fire. This is my resurrection song. This is my hallelujah song. This is why it's to you I run. I pray that you would run to Jesus.